Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Welcome to Just Think the Podcast. This is Holly and Amy and Kristen. And today we are excited to bring to you an episode that we think is not just going to be insightful for this moment, but that it might be a podcast you refer back to, that you even let your kids listen to, and that you use perhaps as a resource because it's all about critical thinking skills. And trust me, when I introduce you to our guest, Kathy Gibbons, she's not boring. You're going to love, even though she's here to teach us a few things, she's got such a vivacious personality. You're going to enjoy listening to her share. And we think this is important because when Kristen, Amy, and I were taking a look at world events back in 2020, and we would see that certain bits of evidence would come out and people would have such cognitive dissonance, or they weren't even questioning we thought, what is wrong with people? Like, how do you not see this? And why don't people just think, right? That's the name of our podcast. So what we did not know then, that I think we all three would say we know now, is we did not know that people didn't know how to think. That critical thinking actually is a skill. And there is an art to it. And this is something you actually can learn. And as we'll talk about today, it is something that is not taught in our American education system and probably not in Canada or Australia or Great Britain, where we know we have listeners as well. It is something we've got to bring back to the table so people don't blindly follow and they learn to assess information and think for themselves. So Kathy reached out to us because she happened to be following John Amanchukwu. If you've not listened to our interview with John, fascinating on race in America, a great guy. So Kathy found John and that led her to our podcast and then led her to us. And when she told us her story, that she is a homeschool mom of a teenager who kind of like us realized over the course of the last few years that she needed to do something about what was happening to help this next generation learn and get back to what we like to call common sense, but we know it's not so common anymore, but just be able to think critically. She realized she had to do something about it. So she started a podcast and it's called Filter It Through a Brain Cell. And she teaches teens and their parents critical thinking skills and and really just kind of does it in in short, fun episodes because we know you teenagers, you don't want to listen for long. We get it. We don't always want to either, okay? So, uh, but she has that as a resource to you. And today we wanted to bring Kathy on to tell you more about not only what she's doing, but give you some tips and tricks and make sure, number one, are you thinking critically? Do you know how to do it? And number two, are you making sure your children, our future 
generation, our future leaders know how to do it too. So Kathy, thank you so much for being on. We are so excited to have you on. Will you first tell our audience, what is logic? What is critical thinking? How do you define Yes, thank you guys. Um, Kristen, Holly, Amy, thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to be here, super excited to be sharing this message with your audience because you have an audience who clearly cares about thinking. You wouldn't be listening to a Just Think podcast. care about that, right? But I I was like you, uh, we were talking a little bit before we hit record here and you guys had some really good stuff. I didn't learn these skills in school either. So I just wanna say to anybody who's listening, if you're feeling like, oh, critical thinking, what even is that? I don't know. This sounds weird to me. This sounds hard. This sounds like academics with patches on their elbows, right? I don't know what this is. I promise you it's super easy, super accessible, and actually super fun. So let's start. I think this is a great place to start is with a definition. What does it mean? And y'all, I'm sorry. I turned off my notifications and I can't stop this ding from happening. I I've turned off three different notifications, clearly not the right one. Well, Kathy, just so you know, we, our whole premise is it's like sitting in our living room and this would be reality. If we were all really sitting together, phones Mm -hmm. would go up, things would happen. It's totally fine. All right, go ahead. Tell us what it is. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So I've got three terms that I want to define for, um, for your audience so that they can know kind of what it is that we're talking about. So the first one is fallacy or logical fallacy. So when you hear that term, all that means fallacy is just an error in thinking. That's it, an error in thinking. And we all do it. And this is the thing. So there's no shame in this. This isn't like, oh, we're terrible people. But we all do it because we don't always have the best thought process and best thinking, best way of thinking through things, especially if we haven't been taught these skills, right? But don't worry, they're super easy to learn and they're a lot of fun to learn. Okay, number two is propaganda. I talk a lot about propaganda. Propaganda are tactics and techniques that people use to manipulate people mentally and emotionally, okay? And lastly is cognitive bias, or you sometimes hear it as mental bias, or a lot of times people just say bias. And all that is, is that those are things that limit our ability to think objectively, right? And this is the other thing about bias, because you hear it in the media, and it sounds like it's something so terrible, it just kind of is what it is. We all have a bias because we it's how we see the world. We all see the world a certain way. So for instance, I'm a woman, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a Christian, right? There's these things that about me that affect the way I see the world. I can't not be a woman, right? I can't not be a, a wife. I can't not be a mom. So I'm always going to see the world through certain through certain lenses. So in the, in that way, some of those biases will always be there. However, There are also some biases that we all have that we have to examine. We have to be aware of and we have to look at and say, okay, maybe I'm seeing it this way for this reason, but does that mean it's necessarily true? And we have to challenge those sometimes and be aware of them. So uh, season one of my podcast, we have been talking about logical fallacies. And y'all, when we first learned about logical fallacies, my daughter and I, I had no idea how many there were. There's over 150 and still going. So there's a lot of them, um, but they're just super fun to learn about. So yeah, that's kind of what critical thinking, and critical thinking is just the ability to think well and recognize bad thinking when you see it. That's it. That's right. Well, uh, I love this. And I was sharing with, I was actually sharing with you before we even started recording that um, I put my kids in, uh, I'll I'll even say, Cary Christian School in Cary, North Carolina, um, more because the Wake County public school systems where I live were so jacked and sending kids all over the place. And I wanted them to have one school 
that they could go to and not be shifted like I was as a Wake County public school kid, five schools in five different years because of rezoning. Um, and so I, I wanted to avoid that. I had no idea at the time what gem I had found, but there is classical education is something that has come back into conversation in the last few years. And that's what the school does. And it teaches exactly what you're saying, how to recognize fallacies, how to defend your viewpoint, how to see another viewpoint that differs from yours. And I wanted to mention to everyone, because we are going to have this on the podcast, um, we're going to actually have this guest. I mean, he's agreed to do it. We, Fox has to approve that he's that he's going to uh, can be on. But um, I wanted to tell you guys real quick, a, a person that if you and we're going to talk about this more, but if you're concerned about American education or education in general, how do you do what Kathy just said? Like, how do you put your kids in classrooms where this is taught? Um, Pete Hegseth from Fox and Friends on the weekends. I met Pete uh, last week and he has a book out. It's called Battle for the American Mind. So I'm going to drop that in for all of our listeners to go to, because if you're already intrigued by what Kathy's saying and you're like, my kids need this. First of all, she has a podcast you're going to go plug into. Second of all, there are other resources and things you can consider moving forward to make sure your kids are getting the education you know they deserve and that they're going to need for the future that lies ahead. Okay, so Kathy, um, now what I'd also like to know is what is the different thinking errors? We talked about the fallacies, but what are the different thinking errors that you're that you think people commonly make? And I'm sure it has something to do with our biases, right? And the and our viewpoints. No, and those are there. Before I answer that question, let me back up because I, I want to just um talk about very quickly how I got started because you alluded to yeah. it. So during the 2019-2020 school year. My daughter was in the seventh grade and we attend a classical Christian homeschool group, right? So very much the same thing. And one of the things that they teach there is logic. And I was directing her, she's got this little class of, you know, 10 kids that she, we meet with every week. And of course, we all know what happened in 2019, 2020, right? That's when all the craziness started. So that second semester, they were reading this book called The Fallacy Detective. So that's a great resource if anybody out there is has middle or high school, it's kind of geared toward middle and high school years that you want to have a, some kind of a book that you can read about. It was just a fun book. And it was the book for the second semester. So 2020, right? We know what happened then, the pandemic. And then we roll into all the, in, the fact checkers online and then a presidential election. And you know what is hilarious is watching a president, presidential election with a bunch of 12-year-olds who've learned some logical fallacies. Like you can do <laughs> things with them. And they're like, well, that's a red herring. And that was an ad hominem. And, and oh, like, that's awesome. That's awesome. Kids loved it. Like they picked it up super fast. They loved it and they were able to start recognizing them right away. And I realized when you, when they had just having some, a few simple skills, right? They only got introduced to like 30 logical fallacies, not even all of them that are out there, just 30. But even just having that introduction, I thought you can't fool these kids. Mm -hmm. When they have good skills and know how to think and know how to analyze and look for and recognize bad thinking, we can't, we couldn't fool them. You can't fool them. Well, okay. So go into 2020 and all the craziness. And now I'm watching these kids who had learned some basic skills of good thinking versus the hot dumpster fire that was happening, right. With all the public school <laughs> shutdowns, everything else in the mental health. 
And I thought, oh my goodness, if all of us had these skills, because I went, I had a great education. I went to a private Christian school, but I didn't learn this. Like this was not something that was part of my curriculum. I know it's not something, and we can get into this, that's part of the public school education, but just having these skills, they went through that time period so differently. And I thought we have got to do something because I am very burdened for this next generation that's coming up that is going to have to live in this world, that is going to have to live in a place where there is constant propaganda. And they're not even quiet about it. They're not even like trying to pretend like it's not happened. It's constant propaganda. It's you scroll any given day through social media and you are going to see fallacy after fallacy after fallacy being sold as if it's true. And then you got the whole truth thing, right? <laughs> which <laughs> into that, what is that even anymore? <laughs> these kids have got to have these skills if they're going to survive and if they're going to be able to make any kind of a difference in this world, because it's cray cray out there, right? It is getting mm -hmm. crazy. And oh, so yeah. that's why I started the podcast. I said, this is something I can do. This is me jumping into the arena. I have to do something. Um, this is my daughter's generation that she is going to be living with and growing up with. I have to contribute in some way. And so, yeah, that's how the podcast started. We just have a lot that's of fun. Awesome. With it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love it. I mean, because we've got to raise, we've talked about this. We need to raise thinkers and leaders, true it's leaders, so not followers. And just like, you know, robots, we've that, got to. Oh. Yeah. And then we were talking before the podcast, I was telling you that, you know, my kids do go to public. Well, I have one in private who's in the private class school, but I have my older boys, one is in high school, ninth grade, and one's in sixth grade and they are in public. And, you know, I never thought about critical thinking until I had to think about critical thinking. And that started, <laughs> you know, when everything went crazy and when we started this podcast. So now I'm way more attuned to it. And I have realized that I don't think my kids know how to. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, and, and I know that every personality is different. It has a lot to do with your personality anyway, but I feel like they, they have to be, they look to be told what to do and told what to think because they're scared that they might um, think something wrong or say something wrong or do something wrong. And so there's like, there's like this confidence squashing that I don't feel like is happening in our home, but I feel like has maybe molded them through their school years to where I'm like, I got to undo this, you know? So there, I know there are a lot of parents listening that who have kids in public school and you're realizing probably like you're today years old when you're realizing that your kids are like, um, do they know how to be right? You know, and, how well, to and honestly, them. what I love, like with, um, Katie Wood, when she was on, um, she's, a great another you know to refer back to her she was if you haven't heard that her that episode with her Kate uh Kathy mm -hmm. she's amazing but she wrote a book called the simple seed but it's like little life lessons and stuff but one of my favorite lessons with her and it works with your husband too is try three before me it's like instead of asking for somebody to tell you the answer Think about the top three things. Where could something be if you're looking for something and just like if somebody if they're asking me how do I do this I've started, I mean, I'm not saying that I've done this forever, but I've started because of like really realizing I'm like, how do you think, what do you think would work? What, yeah. like, so I'm, it's like, it's a, I mean, it's a constant work in progress for us too, as parents, mm -hmm. you know? So we love your tricks. Your yeah. Tips. And yeah. sometimes it is easier just to tell them. So they'll just leave you alone. We're done. Calls an argument. <laughs> Go ahead. Honey, sorry. Well, it's, it's so true. And we were, so, so let's talk about this for a second. We were saying that we looked back at our own educations and public schools, which we all three would have said we had great educations in public schools and public universities that are lauded throughout the country. Like we thought we had good educations, but I, I said uh, earlier, 
I had a moment, I think it was in college where I said to my mother, um, I just know how to memorize and regurgitate to get an A, but I can't tell you if I'm actually learning anything. And it, it was really kind of like, I realized I could have learned, like I could have forced myself to learn and understand, but instead I, I learned to the test. And now mm -hmm. teachers, they have to teach to the test to even yeah. get good marks on their own report. So we have this whole system of following and regurgitating, but not thinking. And so my dad was an engineer and he always, I mean, just think probably y'all came from my dad saying to me my whole life, well, just think. Well, just think, well, just think, you know, like, does that make sense? You know? And so I really do believe you guys that as I looked back on our American education systems, predominantly they're teaching us to follow the leader. They're teaching us not so much to question, but to memorize and regurgitate. And the, my dad started doing this with my nieces and nephews and my children. And some people will think my dad's crazy, um, but this is what he did. My daddy would say to the kids, did you get in trouble at school today? And if they said yes, he gave them a quarter. Now you might say, dad, that is like encouraging bad behavior. But it, but listen, they're in a school where what you get in trouble for is things like you get out of line. You, you know, like if they're trying to teach order and you understand that, but it's like they weren't getting in, in, in trouble for disrespect or something that's like big. He would not reward that. But dad said, I used to think maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. He said, but in the last few years, I realized that by giving them a quarter for challenging the status quo, I'm reminding them that it is necessary sometimes, right? And I don't think he's wrong. I just don't think he's wrong about this. He's like, we don't need more people to follow the leader. We need more leaders who can critically think and say, that actually doesn't make sense. Or what about this? And, and so often in schools, we demonize the quote troublemaker. And the troublemaker might just be the kid who can't sit still and doesn't want to, you know, do everything as he is told. And and granted, in a group of people, you got to find a way to bring order. I'm not, I'm not, I, I get it. But we do have to make sure our kids don't feel like they're not empowered to question, that they're not empowered to go a different way. And it's like you guys said, Amy, if you feel like, they don't know how to think for themselves anymore because they're waiting to be told what to do. Well, we have to change that, right? Well, and that was intentional. So don't worry, I'm going to get back to your question, but this is, you keep giving me um, new places to talk. So <laughs> that's what happens. Sorry. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> for exactly why that is. That was, that was by design in our school system. Okay. So let me take you, do a little bit of history here. So back in the late 1700s, early 1800s, there was this uh, country called Prussia. It was over kind of where Germany's at right now. And Prussia was a dictatorship and the way that they made their money and their economy was on war. It was on soldiers. They would rent out their soldiers to other countries because they were really good. And in 1806, the Prussian army lost to Napoleon, and this was devastating, right? Um, because now the king of Prussia is like, well, what are we going to do if word gets out that our army can't win or isn't winning anymore? There goes our economy. This is not good, right? And as a dictatorship, all behavior in Prussia was controlled by the authorities, right? They despised free will because free will makes for bad soldiers. So they went in and they kind of analyzed, okay, what had happened? Why did we lose? And they discovered that what had been, what had happened was, I always hear my daughter in the back. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening was that the soldiers were picking and choosing which leaders they were going to follow and which orders they were going to obey. 
They were thinking for themselves. They were challenging authority. And of course they said, well, we can't have this because this makes for bad soldiers. And it's kind of true. Even my husband, um, he was in the army and they had a saying set that was called salute and execute. Meaning if you're given an order, you don't question the order. You salute, you say, yes, sir. And you go do it, which for the most part is what needs to happen with, a, with the military and with a, you know, a fighting unit. However, there are exceptions to that in times when people do need to stand up and say, hmm, really, let's think about this. But for a soldier, that was, that was their life. And so the king got his scholars together and said, okay, we have got to figure out how to stop this because we can't have these soldiers thinking for, them, thinking for themselves. We can't have them bringing their free will to the military. So what can we do so that by the time the young men get to the, the age when they can join the military, they will just salute and execute and obey orders. And so that is where they came up with obedience school. Obedience school is when the child enters in at four or five years old, they get on this conveyor belt and they go through first grade, second grade, third, fourth, fifth, and everything about the school, the bells and the teacher and the structure is all designed to create people who can't think for themselves, but will accept orders. It, it, they called it obedience school. I mean, right. that's kind of scary, right? We sent our dogs to obedience school. Right, right. But that's what it was called. And they the whole point of it was to create an obedient underclass that didn't have the skills to think for themselves. Well, it worked. It was successful. And so they had people from all, all countries all over the world send representatives to learn about their obedience school. And Horace Mann is the person who came from the United States, took it back, and they first implemented it in Massachusetts. And the parents didn't want it. They showed up at the school with guns and rifles because they said, no, we do not want this. Well, we know how that went. And it became our new model of school. That's how we do school. That's how government school is done. And the whole point of it was, you know, this new school that was literally kind of what they called it was factory model school because you just get on the conveyor belt and you go through and it puts out people who are really good workers who are obedient who are easy to be controlled because they don't they purposely don't have the skills for critical thinking and you know holly like you said there are some places that are still teaching it but it's not it's not the norm it's not the norm, but guess who does still go to guess who does still, you know, outside of the few schools, right. That are teaching it. Guess who learns these skills, the kids of the elites, because they're planning on them being in charge of the kids who went to regular obedience school. Isn't mm. it crazy? Oh my gosh. I say it's elite supremacy. It's elite supremacy. It is anything. It that's is. what it is. it's elite supremacy. There's, and we've, we've had conversations with uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf, who's talked about this because she was a part of the elite, the elite yeah. in New York city. And she says, it's exactly, it's exactly the plan. I want to point something out really quickly too, Kathy, you talked about the propaganda and you talked about your kids, these, these young teenage girls going, that's a red herring. That's a fallacy. Like did they know how to recognize lies and propaganda. And as you said, we see it every single day this weekend. I'm on Twitter, which I try to stay off of, but guys, we do have a Twitter account with just think, and we do try to like put our stuff out there. Cause we know that's a, a place where people can find us as well. And the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, so to speak, um, says under my predecessor, the deficit went up four years in a row. In the last two years, my administration cut the deficit by more than $1.7 trillion. The largest deficit reduction in American history. 
The mm. sad part of this is there are people in the United States that read that and they believe that that's true. We have mm -hmm. a sitting president openly lying and manipulating information to the American public. And the sad part is because people don't know how to think critically and recognize propaganda when it slaps them in the face, they're going to believe this. And so readers brought context immediately to this tweet, which I love. Yeah, that's about why I love Twitter. That's yeah. why I love it. I love it. All right. So it says, it says readers added context. They thought people might want to know. The deficit reduction Biden claims credit for is due to emergency COVID spending expiring as planned. Independent, and this is from CNN, independent analysts, analysts say Biden's own actions have had the overall effect of adding to current and projected future deficits, not reducing them. Okay, so again, we see right there, right there is a perfect example, Kathy, propaganda, yep. and even left-wing institutions saying lies. Yes. But yet it's out there and people yep. are surface readers. Oh, he reduced those deficit. Awesome. Yep. yep. That's an example. And this is what we want people to be able to recognize. Kathy, yes. what skills when so when you're teaching these little bits of information in your podcast, um, for, would, let's use this for an example. Could you take this as an example? How would you teach a, a child or an adult to assess that information? Yes. Okay. So I wrap up every single episode asking the most important question that I think we can ask. And it is the most simple question that we can possibly ask either and just say, is that really true? Is that really true? Mm. Right. And it, it sounds crazy because it sounds like, oh, you're just teaching people to be skeptical. And I'm like, yeah, I kind yeah. of am. <laughs> I kind of Thank am. you. <laughs> a good dose of healthy skepticism because we can know that not everything we're hearing is true right and and here's the thing this is <laughs> it's not just one side of the political aisle that's oh, doing no that's right both 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 and so this is why we have to have good discernment because we tend to think oh our side is the right side right whatever side you're on we're the right ones and we have all the right answers and so therefore we're infallible Oh no, both sides are doing this. They're playing the same game with a small exception of a small handful of people. They're all playing the same game right. when it comes to politics. But it's not just in politics. It's also in, oh, in religion. Oh, I could share some examples with you. There is stuff coming out of religious organizations and even some churches that is just a hot mess. And if you're not founded, if you're not grounded in knowing, okay, what's true. And if you're not able to think, well, is that really true? And I can share an example with you guys of one recently, but I was like, what is happening? Then you're, you're going to be, you're going to be fooled. You're going to be lied to, and you're going to be living on a lie. Right. And that is the whole thing is we have to learn how to live on truth. We can't live on lies because that's how we got in this mess that we're in right now. So, um, so that's the number one thing. If, if people walk away from my podcast and for every, every episode, when I introduce the fallacy, I give them a question. Here's the question to ask yourself, because I feel like if we can learn to ask good questions, we mm -hmm. can recognize good thinking. It's a whole lot more simple than people think it is. So it all starts with one simple question. Is that really true? And if you can start there, you're on a great path. Wow. Love that. Love, Love that. It. So I'm curious to know, like, I know we've been, uh, there's so many things we want to ask you and we're all over the place with our questions with you, but like, um, <laughs> welcome to our squad. Well, so <laughs> how did you, so let's use COVID as an example. Cause you know, our, our podcast was pretty much born out of recognizing the fallacy in a lot of the COVID things. 
how did you navigate that? Like, how did you teach critical thinking to your kids around just COVID specifically, like whether it be masks or lockdowns or whatever it was. And then to follow up with that, just even on a daily basis, like little tidbits, like even when I said, like try three before me or ask them, what do you think you can do? What do you think, you know, will work? Like things like that, I think people would really appreciate. Yes. So, okay. So it started with learning the fallacies, right? You have to have the language first. Um, Mm -hmm. You have to have the grammar of a topic, right? For instance, you can't, you can't bake a cake if you don't know what the flour is and what the sugar and what a measuring cup is. So we have to learn the grammar of good thinking. And that's just learning the different fallacies. That's learning, well, what is a red herring and what is equivocation, right? And their names and they sound like they just, they sound intimidating just because we don't know them. Once you know them, they're not intimidating anymore. But you have to learn the grammar. So we taught the grammar first and we did the fallacy detective and, um, you know, and there's, a whole lot more that I've just taught my daughter and that's what's in my podcast. So once you have the grammar, now it's just a matter of practicing it. And so what I would do is as I'm scrolling on social media and I see a meme that is clearly one-sided or clearly propaganda or clearly right something, I would just show it to my daughter and I'd Mm -hmm. say, oh, look at this. And I want her to think Mm -hmm. about it. Right. And so I would have her identify, well, what is, is there a fallacy here? Um, If so, what is it? And then what is the truth about that thing? Mm -hmm. Right. So it was just practice. It was just, and this doesn't have to be, you know, like our teenagers, they don't want some big long lecture, right? They want a one and it's kind of fun, right? At that age, teenagers enjoy criticizing things. They enjoy arguing. Oh yeah. They love to argue. All about it. So I'm like, well, let's give them the skills to do it really well. Let's do so they they love it. Like, she's like, oh yeah, I got this, right? And she'll read through it and be able to point out what it is. And even if she can't point out what one particular one is and I have to tell her and we talk about it, it still is practicing that skill of critical thinking. It still is practicing the skill of reading something and saying, well, is this true? Is there something wrong here? Could this be off? Rather than just accepting every single little thing that people say. I even started a, <laughs> a resource, I call it Crazy Thinkers, where I send out every single month, I meet and headlines and articles that I have collected to parents and I give them a list of questions show this to your kids and ask these questions and here's how you can have sign me up for that (laughs) (laughs) how do we sign up Kathy tell tell our listeners how could they get that from you yes so it's going to be it's brand new like I just launched it just last month we had 45 families who signed up immediately which I'm super excited about and uh, so it'll be on my website crazy. If you just go to filter it through you'll see a link for crazy thinkers. And yeah, that's, that's where that is. And I'm super excited about it. Cause I'm like, we have to learn how we have to learn this. We have to, well, that's how you make it fun too. It, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. And it's real life. This is and, actually happening. And I want to <laughs> add this too, Kathy, cause you touched on it. It's so important. You said, look, the propaganda is on both sides. No, nobody's pure in this. This is, and it's 100% true. I think that I had a moment of realizing that my kids um, we're so blessed to have been taught this skill, the skills you're talking about when they started to question me. Yes. Well, mom, well, mom, you know, and I loved it. And I remember saying to them, listen, at some point you're going to question your own faith and that means you're growing. Okay. So, because God's not afraid of your questions, right? He's not afraid of your questions. You need to go dive into those things. And when you have doubts and you have questions, you need to get to the end of it, you know, and 
And I, I will say that I have a 24 year old now and I love who he has become. And I love the way that he thinks now he still acts 12 in many ways. We tease him. <laughs> He's my Peter Pan. I don't, there's certain parts of him that are going to be a kid. Kristen and Amy can attest to this uh, forever, but <laughs> I love that he does think, and I, you know, in the last election, um, I remember he came to me and he's like, mom, our, our generation's screwed. Like they, they don't, they, they're, they're just so lost. And I said, honey, I have hope because I raised you and I've raised your brother. And there are many others like me. Um, mm -hmm. I have hope that, that the truth will prevail and that you guys can be leaders to help the kids who've only been taught to follow along. Um, and so, uh, and so that's one of the things that Kathy, I think you can bring to people's tables, to these families is encouraging kids to be thought leaders and yes. to not just believe what you believe. Cause like Kristen and Amy and I, we use this example a lot. We were taught that Pluto was a planet and yep. then a moon. And now I don't know if it's a planet or a moon, but I, <laughs> that, that things can change and that your ability to, uh, to, to uh, take in more information and change your mind, for example, or to grow in deeper understanding is such an important skill. And we've noticed over the last two years, people have had a hard time changing their mind. So can you talk a little bit about why that is? Why do people have a hard time changing their mind? I know you have the answer. Yes, that's a good one. And that one goes back to our biases, right? We bring our, we bring our biases. We bring, so, you know, something called normalcy bias. And I think a lot of people have had normalcy bias where we tend to think, well, no, things are just going to kind of continue the way that they are and everything is going to be fine, right? If we just go down this road. And so what tends to happen, sorry, you see my dog in the background there. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so we tend to go on as if everything is normal and as if what's happening is normal and then but we have to challenge that and we have to say no this is not normal what we're seeing right now sudden death with from young people is not normal right yeah. we have, so that is just one way that good thinking will help us challenge our own thoughts and that's what it comes down to is we have to challenge our own thoughts and we have to challenge other people's thoughts and the thoughts that we're being presented with on a daily basis and if you again I just want to encourage any parents out there listening. This is way easier to do than you might think it is, right? Just because we didn't learn it in school doesn't mean we can't learn it now, right? I didn't have home ec when I went to school because the smart kids, when I was growing up, took calculus and advanced trigonometry and all this stuff that nobody ever uses anymore. But yeah. guess, guess what life skill I use every single day? The stuff yeah. Right. <laughs> Just because I didn't learn that in school doesn't mean I'm not responsible for it. I had to learn it somewhere. I had to figure it out. Right. And so us as parents, just because we didn't get this, get this in school, we still need to learn these skills so that we can practice them with our kids. And it's just super fun to do. I think also shifting the mindset for the parents, and I'm speaking for this too, like when Holly, you said you embraced it when they start arguing and like, sometimes it's actually fun, like to go back, but then sometimes you're like, don't argue with me. You right. know, where we have to, it's almost like where you say the strong girls, you're like, y'all pray for the mamas with the strong girls, you know, but then you're just like, but you know, they're going to be great leaders. They're going to do, they're, they're going to make a change. They're going to be somebody and make an impact. So I think also having the, that shift with the parents thinking that that arguing, just like they always, I argued my point a lot too, and I still do, <laughs> but it's got me to where I am today because I do just think, I do try to see all sides, but we all have like our biases, like you said, but yeah, so I think the parent aspect would be helpful too to hear. <laughs> yes. well, that's, 
kids, you have to be ready for it, right? And and the as parents, once they hit that those middle school years, we got to be ready for it anyways because the arguing, it's it's just part of it's them wrestling with the world and wrestling with what they think and trying to figure out what they think and figure out what's true. So we got to be ready for it. And Holly, like you said, the best thing is is when they call you out and they recognize mm-hmm. yours. So just rather than getting because immediately we'll get defensive, right? The whole don't sure. argue with me. But if we can stop and say, well is that really true? Mm-hmm. Right. And now you've got a great conversation. Make them say why the thing that you just said was a fallacy. Make them say right. it. And then you're willing to be like, you know what? You're right. What's the truth here? And now you can have this little teachable moment and it's kind of fun and you move on with your day. I think it's also really empowering. Go ahead, Harley. I'm no, sorry. Go ahead. I'm go ahead. No, One thing, just, just real quick for an example, over the whole COVID pandemic issue, you know, in the beginning, we were like, we didn't know what to do. You know, my daughter was, it's crazy because we were like thinking whatever we, she had been, she was about to be in a play. We had been around kids all week. And then all of a sudden today, you can't see anybody today and for two more weeks and for two more years or three more years, you can't see anybody, you know? So why wasn't I thinking then? Well, at first we were, we were like, this is stupid. And then we were like, okay, maybe this is serious, but it's because we were listening. We heard Fauci. And then I started realizing, but I wasn't listening to any of this until then. I never listened to the news, never listened to any of this, never knew that anything could be politicized. But my whole point of this is we they were scared. But once we start, I started really thinking and doing my homework and educating my kids, then they were empowered with knowledge and then they weren't scared. And I think that's what's really important, too, because a lot of these kids, I've heard of kids being crying when somebody gets in the elevator with them and they don't have a mask on because their parents have made them so scared because their parents are only listening to one side and not thinking. So it's like this whole circle. So we've got to create thinkers and, and it empowers them with knowledge. That's right. Their emotional and mental health will be so much better if you can think well, because if you don't have, if you, if you can't think well, you are blown and tossed by every new message that comes out. This person says this, oh no, this person says this, oh no. And you're just all over the place and you're on this emotional roller coaster. But if you can stop and think about something and say, well, what's really true here? It just evens that out. And so you don't have to ride this emotional roller coaster because that's what they want. The two biggest enemies of good thinking, number one is emotionalism. Yeah. If they can get you emotional, yep. you yeah. cannot. Yeah. It's a physiological thing in our brain. The more emotional we get, the dumber we become. Like this is like physiologically how our brain is wired. And so if whoever, the media, advertisements, uh, whatever, if they can keep us emotional, they will keep us stupid because we won't be able to think well. And so how do you get off that, right? How do you get off it? You have to engage the part of our brain that does the thinking and the best way to do it is to ask a question. That's why the thing I try to hammer in, is that really true? That is our go-to question. Is that really true? As soon as you do that, now you kind of stop the cycle of emotionalism. You started the ability for your brain to think about something and to think well, and you can come up with solutions and you've just gotten off the emotional roller coaster and we have to get off. We can't ride this emotional roller coaster. It's terrible for us as people. It's terrible for our kids. And this is the way to do it. And that was the first, you said the first enemy was emotionalism. What's the other enemy to critical thinking? Relativism. This whole idea that I have a truth and you have a truth and Amy has a truth and everybody has their own truth. And What's true for me might not be true for you. And then to believe that that's all true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. It's 
that's not mathematically possible, right? There are some very basic laws of logic. A thing is what it is. A thing can't be something that it's not, right? These are very basic laws of logic that we are completely violating in the name of feelings and emotions. Well, I feel this way and you can't hurt me. It hurts me if you don't believe that what I just it's all just a bunch of nonsense but we can name it we can call it what it is well there's relativism there's emotionalism and we don't have to ride the roller coaster it keeps us grounded having good thinking and knowing just a few basic things about the laws of logic keeps us grounded and keeps us off this whole relativism uh <laughs> slippery slope because that's that's really what it is well, and if you're a believer in relativism what i want you to understand is that you expect me to embrace your truth but you don't embrace mine if it is in direct opposition to your truth which makes you the bigot which actually oh. makes you the intolerant person i'm going to call it out because if for some reason we're not saying it enough that makes you intolerant, not me. So yeah. for example, if you say I'm a, I'm a biological male, but now I'm going to choose to be a woman. And I say, well, you can dress like a woman. You have, you have the freedom to dress like a woman and you can call yourself a woman. You can, change, you can do all these things in America if you want to, but I will not agree with you that your chromosomes are different now. You were born with these chromosomes that is actual scientific fact, but we're living in this world now that if I even bring up the fact, okay, then I'm a bigot and I am intolerant. But if we don't go back to facts being facts and science being actual science, that does evolve. We're going to admit science is not settled. Science is something we grow in our understanding of. Then we are completely lost and it will be utter chaos. And that's why you see it happening. You see, when you start telling people that they have to agree with your truth, even when it is absolutely, we can dispute it every which way because it's not actually true, then we have a massive issue in our society. And so what we can say to each other is you have the freedom to act and say what you want to say, but I have the freedom to say, I disagree. And it does not make me, does it make me a bigot or a racist or any other thing? And that's what we've got to fight against is the relativism that is so intolerant of the truth, of the actual proven truth. That's that's a huge issue for us, right? And the other thing to say, Kathy, and to our listeners, thank God for the people who do not follow along. And let me, let me, so if you have the child who's the precocious child, I got one of those, number two. Um, if you have the child who is like, but I don't know, and, and they kind of challenge you, it's not easy always to raise. I'll be the, I was a challenger child too. I get it. But thank God for them, because if someone had not said, where's the science on masks? If someone had said, I'm not doing this anymore. If someone had not said, where's the science on the safe and effective vaccines? If we had never said that, we would still be vaccinating people literally to death. And we would all still be masked up and socially distancing and not seeing each other. Please, well, some people are doing those things still because they're not asking those questions. It's crazy. That's it. But the reason why so many of us aren't and why if you look at the stats on vaccine uptake, it's in the gutter and why Pfizer is now paying Martha Stewart and Pink and all these other jokers to, trust me, they're getting paid, y'all. They're getting paid real good oh, by yeah. Pfizer, oh, yeah. okay? They're to do these propaganda booster things Okay, the reason they're doing that is they're they are losing. They're losing to the critical thinkers. Yep, yep. And that's what we need more of in order to be free. 
and to protect this republic, this the United States of America and the freedoms we enjoy. It is going to take more critical thinkers with courage to say no. There is no free country if people don't know how to think for themselves. We lose it because there is always somebody who's got an agenda. There's always somebody who's very happy to tell you what they want you to think. And if you don't know how to, if you don't know how to think for yourself, guess what? They are happy to fill that empty brain right there for you. And, right. and just like you said, it's not just, we tend to think of critical thinking always coming from political messaging, but it's not. We have to think about this in terms of advertisements because you use two really great examples. Okay, it could just look like um, a nice Facebook post from Martha Stewart or from, or from Pink, but is it really, right? Is it really what's behind it? And people don't wanna think about, they think, oh no, you know, you're turning into a conspiracy theorist. You're turning into all this stuff. No, I'm not. I'm just thinking that's, that's, that's a fallacy. When somebody calls you a name, right? That's a, fallacy. That's a straw man fallacy. And if, if you can't call it out, you think, oh, am I really? Maybe I am right. Maybe I'm all this stuff that they're saying. No, I'm not. That has nothing to do with it. Right. And so knowing a few things helps guard you against all of that. It's like, it's like a superpower. When you live in a land of people who don't know how to think, having a few simple skills of critical thinking is a superpower. That's right. And Kristen and also helps with kids, like when they get in arguments, I mean, of course I think of, or the drama with girls. Well, I'm going to know there's drama with boys too, but in general, the drama is more with girls, but you know, one of the things we've talked about, and even with our kids, when they come and tattle on somebody and say this, or they they said they lied, or they did this, or they called me this name, or they said, I'm not good. And I'm like, well, is that true? Right. So so I do think it just comes, I think that it gives them more confidence when they can take take away the emotions, the emotionalism, you know, take away the labels and the name calling and shaming and blaming and everything that's happening everywhere, the gaslighting. Mm -hmm. Because what you really have to do is when people call you, look, we, we've gotten some of it, yeah. you know, and we, and now we can laugh at it because That's we are funny. so confident and grounded in our thinking and in our evidence and what we do that it's not going to affect us. You know, it kind of builds that bubble around you where you like, you can't be, you can't be popped, <laughs> you know? And you know what? Our identity is not in it either. So I think that's another thing we all have to shield against. Our identity is not in what we believe. It's in the mission of our podcast, which is to find the truth and share it. So if at any time we find out we said something that wasn't true, we have no ego about that. We would be the first to come on and say, hey, guys, we got it wrong on this because yeah. our identity is not in it. We don't believe that we can't be wrong. We don't. We, we're just seeking the truth and, and inviting other people along for that journey. Right. And I think that's another part of it. It's that um, if you can lay down your own ego. If you can just say, my heart is to know what's true and to follow after that, then then all of this arguing and bickering and and it's not to say that sometimes, listen, we've had people come at us and call us like things like racist and stuff that I was like, this is the stuff that'll make me want to go to your house and drag you out in the front yard. You know, it, it does. I'm not gonna lie. It's like it provokes, it provokes. But I also know that it's like Kristen said, we've learned to laugh at that and go, anyone who knows us knows that's not true. You know, right. and so it just kind of rolls off. We need to raise our kids the same way. No, get their identity grounded in something that never changes. For me, that was always God and who God made them to be. And if you if you're solid on that, the other stuff, you know, you'll be able to to, to plow through it. Um, 
But I got it. So Kathy, tell people once again, we want people to go find you. We want them to subscribe to what you're doing. We want them to listen to your podcast and we want them to invite their, especially their teenagers, but their kids into your conversations so that these kids can now navigate the social media they're on 24 seven and recognize propaganda, lies and truth. So tell them how to find you. Okay, so the podcast, you can find it pretty much anywhere. It's called Filter It Through a Brain Cell. And the website is on the same name, Filter It Through a Brain Cell. Instagram, Filter It Through a Brain Cell. On Facebook, I'm just Kathy Givens. See those places. And I do have a couple, uh, a couple things. So number one, I have a quiz that's free that anybody can go take. And it's only like 11 questions long. It is a fallacy meme quiz. So if you go to my website, filter it through braincell.com forward slash quiz, you or your teen can take the quiz and just see how you do. Maybe take it before you start listening to podcasts. I don't know. Um, and then uh, crazy thinkers. So if you go to my website, filter it through brain cell. And just look for crazy thinkers. That is my, um, that's the resource that I have created to help people have these conversations. But each episode is designed, like in my mind, the, the people that I create my episodes for are parents sitting in the car with their middle or high schoolers, right? Yeah. They're all between five and 10 minutes long, unless I'm taking on a certain topic, oh, yes. a little bit more time. So they're really short. And I want parents to be able to listen to this with their teen and be like, have you ever heard that fallacy before? Oh my goodness. I did that yesterday or something like that and introduce a conversation because short and sweet, good examples. Um, it's all safe for family, <laughs> family listening. And that was the whole, that was the whole point of creating it. Oh, oh that's love. It. I love it. I have a commute with my high schooler. That's about probably 20 minutes long at yes. least. So we will definitely be listening to this. What, and what a great day way to, you know, start the day or even end the day or whatever, you know, to just have these conversations. I know so many parents are like, you're looking for things to engage with your kids, you know, especially these teen teenagers, getting them to talk to you. What a great way to, to just start conversation and kind of hear what's going on in their own minds. Right. And, and, and I think again, there's just never been a time that I have felt more compelled. I know Amy and Kristen, you agree where we are so concerned about education. And the programming of our children. And we don't use that word lightly. It is literally programming. Go look at Pete Hexess book. Go, go get it off Amazon. So good. The battle for the American mind. And she he goes through a lot of what Kathy shared about the history of the education system. It was exactly designed to program. And um, among other things, but programming was part of it. So, um, so thank you, Kathy, so much. We are so excited to know you now, to have you as a resource we can point people to. And thank you, Kathy, for just being someone who just thinks and teaches other people how to do it too. (laughs) So much for having me on. It was fabulous to get to know you ladies. Well, we will be talking to you again for sure. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs) 